This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. What's the best way to fish like a local? What if you could book a trip with an experienced local guide with the click of a button? Now you can with Fishing Booker. Now anyone can access enjoyable fishing experiences anywhere. Take the legwork out of setting up that trip and explore more than 30,000 fishing experiences at your fingertips. Just go to fishingbooker.com to get started and book your trip with a local guide. That's fishingbooker.com. Fishing Booker. Fish like a local. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Hey, this is Tyler Jones, and you're listening to the Element Podcast. It's got me looking for a dance floor. Grab a daddy in your bonfire prize day. I come in here, break a crush, make a sugar shake. And after legging, everything is going my way. I got a long-legged girlfriend hopping out the shotgun. Nothing like a small town, babe. She's the angel on my shoulder. But the devil's on the other. Keep stealing my heart away. It's kind of hard being 16 on a Friday night. After a football game. I got to get all up at something. Because something's all up inside of me. What's happening, all my woods people? And it's a beautiful day today. Started out crispy, crispy fried. <laughs> Casey, we've been in this car for a long time together the last few days, man. What do you think about it all? Are you tired of driving? You need me to drive? Uh, no, I don't need you to okay. drive. I feel pretty good. Um, like, I didn't, the last couple days I haven't felt like a big nasty slob but today i kind of feel that way because we haven't Me really too. done a whole lot and i ate taco bell for lunch and ugh, yeah. it was so good and so we made a new word we i did, think i think we? it was a, a slocko which yeah. is a sloppy taco that's right i had a big sloppy taco that was just like falling apart yeah. it was good at the time but now i kind of regret eating it yeah that's okay though i could feel regret before we stopped in there so i went ahead and got three just three uh, Georgia Gold strips from KFC. Yeah, yeah, and I feel pretty good about that decision. Got that little country diet going. It's, yeah, it's a little, <laughs> it's a, it's a little bit, a uh, little bit healthy, <laughs> just barely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we are, uh, we're driving like we said on the way home, um, coming back from a little shed hunting trip up in uh, Kansas, which and, is uh, really, yeah, it was a shed hunting trip. Don't get me wrong, we hunted some sheds. But we really take it more as an opportunity to do some phone calling and try to gain permissions on properties, which went like probably, I'd say like a 6 out of 10 on the Richter scale, don't yeah, you think? Yeah, easy, man. I yeah. mean, it was, I don't know. Yeah, you're probably right. We de- And you're definitely right. Like, I did a lot, I did, I did more searching for people. And the name and people's names than I like did any kind of. We shit had hunting. a little roll reversal going on because this is my first time to actually drive 
like my vehicle and be the driver up here. So you did a lot more than like the on the phone navigating and especially like finding names and phone numbers and stuff. Yeah, you know. So yeah. it was kind of uh, kind of more me driving around looking at stuff and then and you looking up stuff. Yeah, and it was not fun. <laughs> I'll tell you, like, oh my gosh, I just did not. I got to the point, like, at first it's fun because there's that anticipation, right? Mm-hmm. And then we just got into, we got into a funk in day two, which was yesterday, where we were just like, we couldn't, I couldn't even find phone numbers, hardly. Yeah. And we were just looking up all these people, and they're just pe- apparently like people that are, you know, have what's been the, dead for 10 tone? years or whatever. I'm sorry, your call cannot be completed, it's dialed. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, I dialed it, okay, it's completed. <laughs> How can you just connect me? Uh it's yeah it's just it was like it just got to the point where it's just like man this is i've literally looked up 60 names with no and have not found maybe but one or two (laughs) phone numbers and you call both of them and one of them rang until until a messaging system and one of them was did a little verizon just i'll be connected yesterday was a number that we've tried a couple times because it's a place we'd really like to get on (laughs) And then finally we got an answer. Oh, my gosh. And I lost service as soon as the lady <laughs> said, hello. And then my phone cut out. No service. Yeah. Never talked to her. Called yeah. her back. She didn't answer. Yeah. So that was fun. It's because you didn't say you were from the element. Is that what it was? You just that, hey, it's like, Casey from the element. <laughs> <laughs> she would have known, you know, like celebrity status, right? Said, You're a skateboarder? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. So that was, uh, yeah, it's. It was more of a um, connect with people network trip where uh, the first afternoon I thought this is going to be the greatest shed, shed trip of all time because yeah. we walked uh, we walked a property that we hunted um, the first afternoon uh, that we hunted last year as a permission property and dude we were like did we find how many did we found I found two there you found a deadhead right off the bat hundred uh, yards in found a, yeah. like a solid deadhead. Uh, from a, film, a deer that we yeah. think we have on film. Yeah, this deer actually is from, um, I guess it's probably day five of rutcation. Is that right? Day five or six of rutcation. I can't remember I on can YouTube. Fact check that. Um, and uh, it's, <laughs> whenever I walked up to him on the ground, I really couldn't believe how big he was because we pretty much gave him a soft pass. Uh, he was at like 65 yards or something, and we, yeah. didn't, we didn't attempt to get him closer. And he was rutting like I think we could have got him closer yeah he was searching big yeah, time yeah he was he was he was into it but kind of a cool uh story because we watched him for a while he's a big seven point and uh he was like weaving in and out of barns and stuff yeah it's kind of cool and then uh, day six rotation. day six of rotation yeah but, and then uh he's dead suddenly <laughs> i don't know and it, that was kind of really a motif but we'll get into that more yeah later but uh yeah that was a uh, it's a kind of a bittersweet find. I guess all deadheads are. Um, maybe not as much when you're not managing the property. You know, if, like, this was a place that, like, we had full control over and you lost a really good three-year-old up-and-comer like that, um, it would really hurt, which still isn't great, but it's just still a neat find, something to carry home, especially, you know. Luckily, he wasn't stinky. He pretty much was just all bone. and Yeah, so. looked like he'd been dead since the rut. Yeah, yeah. So, and... <laughs> There's so many coyotes that you can't tell how they died, right? Yeah. If you're going to say something, you say, well, coyotes ain't because they eat it all, like everything, except the spinal column and they chew on the head. But, yeah. you know, there's no way of knowing if he got shot, got hit by a car or something, or 
They'll eat you grunt know. calls. Coyotes will. Yeah, coyotes will eat grunt calls. We found that out later, <laughs> we did too. Find that out. But, I, I mean, he's broken up a little bit more, I think, from when we saw him, right? So it kind of makes you wonder if he didn't die in a fight or something. Yeah, he's, he's he is busted up. Mm-hmm. He had weird. Um, I don't know if any of you have ever seen this. Uh, if you do, send us a picture. But, or if you have, send us a picture. But um, he had these weird, like, it looked like somebody had just taken a knife blade and carved out, like, a quarter inch off of his main beam on top. Like, the only thing I could come up with is, like, that he he went up against a T-post or something and just, like, shredded on his work, yeah. you know, long enough that he just, like, shredded completely like like into the the marrow of the antler yeah, you know was, what I mean he would like wore it through that outside coating that we recognized as antler and it was like you could see the spongy looking stuff on the inside yeah it was it was uh, pretty interesting so that was a that was like our first right off the bat we found that and then um, we moved through that little area and off to some uh, kind of taller grass and uh, found several more um, which the next thing you found was actually a pretty interesting find. I, yeah, so I, I was real streaky on this trip. Like, I, I had a couple really good finds there. And uh, the next thing, and this, we're going to talk about this for a little bit because it's really interesting, is that we found a, not a shed, but a broke-off whole antler, broke off, like, at the brow tine. Yep. And as soon as I picked it up, I said, this is nameless. <laughs> And not really thinking it for sure, but, like, I was like, man, that looks a lot like him. Yeah. I kind of tend to say things before I really think them through. And this time it worked because you compared them. You compared yeah. the picture. You're going to go home and compare the mount, but, like, 95% sure it's him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. From the year before. Which would have been 16. So. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. That was like, as soon as you said it, I was like, you turned it sideways, and I was like, you know what? There's almost no doubt that's him. It's just. Yeah the exact same thing and we're looking like we're probably what a half mile from where he was shot yeah something like that maybe a little more yeah so like you know we're we're thinking this is an easy you know easily his home range mm-hmm. and i don't know i was just like i didn't want to take your like biggest shed of the trip you know and even though it wasn't a shed <laughs> but like i didn't want to take the biggest shed but like you're like man I have to give you this thing. <laughs> yeah, well, I was kind of like jokingly ticked about it because it was a big shed, but like I'm happy to give it like that. And this is—I'm not saying that everyone should do this, but like since you killed that deer, I feel like that you should have that because it's a big part of the history to that buck, right? right. Even though it's like reverse history, which is kind of a neat like it's kind of its own deal. Yeah, right? like for it's sure, not yeah. something that it's not something that actually means anything to you tactically. You're not going to kill more deer because of that kind of history, but like. It enriches the story. Yeah, yeah. People talk about the history all the time, man, and and it's cool. Definitely build history with a with a buck. I've built a lot of history on a public track in Texas with with a buck. But <laughs> you've uh, yet to see on the hoof. But it doesn't matter. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it's kind of interesting to think about it in a reverse sense, where you're like putting together the pieces of this deer's life after you've already shot it you know what i mean yeah it is very interesting though anyway so we we kind of you know put that in the pack went and found it and you you think you were streaky i was i had one streak i like found two sheds (laughs) the whole trip on the trail to get on there for a second i was was a good spot yeah it was it was good i found two sheds and they were probably like 100 yards apart and other than that i walked miles and miles and miles and didn't find those only two sheds you found man yeah that was streaky um so you ended up uh, 
finding finding some deadheads that kind of made the trip. I though. did. Oh, well, that that day I found a uh, a shed that later we had that deer on camera, little baby oh, guy. Yeah, but, yeah. but he had an identifiable characteristic, and he's on camera. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Oh, that's another neat part about that first day, is that Tyler and I had a discrepancy on if we had in fact left a camera on this property or not he didn't think we had and i was almost certain that that we did so i left it too and i didn't even remember yeah you went and checked it the last time didn't remember you had it and uh and in fact it was there and it took pictures all through winter it took uh yeah it took pictures of us coming up yeah the other day so yeah like it, it took all the way through that's uh kind of a testament to those uh, lithium batteries and actually working because there were some cold cold pictures on that Man. camera yeah all the cold weather that everybody's been talking about through the midwest like it, it took through all that man yeah and there well. was a deer cephas festival up in there <laughs> Dude, it was insane we we had like two thousand pictures and we had hung it over a, a pretty big scrape and they i mean they were deer checking it three days ago yeah, deer checking the scrape, you know. No, yeah, no bucks that are shed that are still just licking the licking branch. Kind of yeah. cool. Yeah, it we was uh, cool. identified a couple deer um, that we are really excited to see next year. One, and several that are going to be shooters. Yeah, there's <laughs> one that's on there. I mean, didn't we say he's like a pushing 150 mark, 10 yeah, point? Yeah, which that's big for us. He's man. a 150 10, yeah. I think. I mean, so. and it might be a buck that like I had a little bit of history where we did. I guess that that last day six that we didn't get on camera i don't think on yeah. film but just to, still. i don't know he's just really pretty you know like he's just um like he's not like nameless where like he's got everything but he doesn't have it in any of it like extremely long yeah, you know exactly. what i mean or extremely he doesn't have a ton of mass but he's got good mass he doesn't have a ton of time length but they're all really symmetrical and mm-hmm. and they're all pretty long you mm-hmm. know what i mean and great brows. Great brows. He does have good brows. They're like six inches each, which for us, I mean, that's a big brow time for me. I, I th- we may have talked about this, but when we talked to the guy up in Iowa a couple of years ago and he started showing us all these pictures, you know, all those deer would have like a seven-inch brow time at least, you know. Yeah. And I, I don't know, just genetically, I guess it's different here. They just well, don't have big brow times That's all good the time. genes to have, though, like just solid. You know, well, yeah. when you're looking for a, like, say, a collegiate athlete, you want something, someone who's just solid all the way around. Right? Yeah. And that's kind of how it, how it is with deer. You just want something, well, they're all cool. But, like, to just have a good solid genetic pool is, yep. is nice. Yep. And the one thing that we have noticed a lot about deer in that area is it seems to be that they break off, like, half the rack. Yeah. Like, they they have, like, these weak points somewhere around their pedicle and brow tie. I don't know if it's yeah. because they have a lot of mass out there further and they don't have as much at the base or, or you know, what we, it is. We've, and we've Something always... smells funky right now. Yeah. I don't know what this it's is. A, it's a feedlot mixed with some kind of like gas. Uh, like, uh, I don't know what that is. Some kind of like CO2 I always or hate smelling weird smells going down the road because then you like, you're like, is this my car? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I have like a fairly new vehicle so it's, yeah. you know, it's still... But, you just never know, man. It's kind of scary. Um, I don't even know where I was at, really, with that. Talking but, about uh, the broke-off Oh, yeah. Stuff. We've always noticed that um, as, a, as a characteristic out there. Even where, think, where, where y'all hunted before? Yeah, yeah, and it's... I think more than anything, it just is... Um, so when when we used to notice a lot of it was when there was just a lot more deer. Yeah. And since the drought and ehd outbreak and everything else that everybody had across the midwest in 2012 uh, 11 12 
uh, we have just a lot less bucks overall. And so, like, we used to notice it a lot, whereas we haven't seen it much lately. But then in this particular spot, our trail camera showed a ton of bucks this time. You know what I mean? So I kind of think that it's just like there was a lot of bucks in and out of that area this fall. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think they would just clash you know and and fight a lot and we had bucks sparring like in february on that camera yeah, didn't we? that was weird yeah Which, I mean, like I, there's some of them that are shed and these two are just getting yeah. after it and i could see like i could see that happening back home a lot yeah. more you know like i see that as something that would happen back home more before it would happen in the midwest where you have a more strict rut or whatever you well know? here's a here's the deal is we all think that like deer fight because of the rut and they're fighting for dominance and females and this and that well there's probably a lot of things that makes a deer mad right mm-hmm. i mean you see does paw at each other and get up on their hind legs and box or whatever right. like i'm sure bucks at any point in time you know they they are like oh, that, i didn't like that you doing that you and know my whatever. tooth hurts today yeah and- <laughs> exactly you know it's like they probably have more reasons to fight than just the idea of does yeah that's a that's a that's a good point man um I'm pretty flat worn out right now, frankly. <laughs> I, I battled uh, extreme allergies that I haven't had in a long time and uh, just makes your head like feel like it's kind of bloated the whole day. And then at night, I wasn't able to sleep very well. But uh, we got up the next day, and it was it actually a cold front came through. Uh, it was kind of chilly and cloudy all day, and we searched and searched and searched, and we had we had little luck. We did. We went over to a permission place that we had, had gotten permission on uh, last fall. Another one that was close to public. Yeah, it was. That's right. I forgot about that. Yep. Oh, that is correct. Because yes. we actually, okay. <laughs> it's a key point. It is a key point. <laughs> because um, I, or Tyler and I, rattled in a buck from about 400 yards off. Big buck. It's a day five rotation. Uh, day five rotation, yes. And... Um, I ended up missing that deer from a because he because of a deflection, and he ran off and chased a doe, and we saw him again that afternoon and chased like he, him, and yeah, chased him, tried <laughs> to stalk him, and he started just run off, didn't wasn't spooked or anything, but anyways, a lot of history with this buck, and we've already walked like so fast forward to the spring, we've walked probably a mile at this point in time, kind of almost wrapping up our walk to just walk back to the vehicle. And uh, I, I yell at Tyler, oh, huge deadhead, dude, big buck, big buck. And, like, I can't tell for sure what it is. And uh, Tyler comes over, grabs the camera. I walk up to it, and lo and behold, it is that deer, yeah. that exact buck. So two bucks that we know and have history with, I now have deadheads of. And this one, he was a little fresher, but he'd still been dead for quite a while. Like, yeah. we're talking two months or so. So, And you don't know how it happened. It might have been, you know another hunter couldn't find him or or what but anyway the coyotes really messed messed him up and i don't know i don't guess i have much else to say except it just was very sad to find that yeah tyler was real sad we go through this thing tyler and i react differently to to tragedy um (laughs) i'm like oh it's not a big deal and then like three or four days later it's just like wearing on me where tyler like in the moment is so sad which this actually happened when i missed that ear too (laughs) yeah i did um and then, like, in a couple of days, I was like, ah, it's all right, man. No big deal. So uh, that's yeah. kind of how we felt when we found him. It's like, oh, okay. So I was like, no, but that's the buck that you missed. I was just sad <laughs> for you, man. I just I feel like I feel like it would have been a buck that definitely used that property a lot and yeah. that we could have had a chance to build some history with and come back next year and you'd be just a 
I mean, he was a stud this year. Like, yeah. Great deer. Um, like, if you go watch the video, the Rutcation Day 5 video, he's, like, one of the biggest, most muscled-up deer I've seen out there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. just his just blockhead. I remember when you picked him up uh, yesterday as well. I big was like, skull. Man, that's a big skull. Yeah, you know? and what was uh, interesting is that his bottom jaw was there with the skull. And uh, I'm I'm no expert at deer aging, but I kind of a little bit know some stuff. And he looked like a four year old to me. The saddest thing for me is just that there's not a uh, there's not going to be a big five and a half year old buck, at least one less out there running around next right. year. It's not so much that that's a deer that I know and it shot at. It's just the fact that that buck isn't. Or no, the fact that a five and a half year old isn't out there. Yeah, I mean that's it's unfortunate, man. I, I uh, the 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 buck just had a lot of potential to be a really fun deer to hunt next year, and that's mm-hmm. one, that's one thing that I, like I think we have a pretty decent perspective on because neither of us really owns a big track where we manage um, and get to watch deer um, year in and year out. Sometimes you know I've had that I've had that opportunity in the past some, but like you know with One Eye Jack or whatever, got to watch him for several years, and I actually not in person, you know, but just through truck cameras and all. Mm-hmm. And um, I've had that opportunity before, but we don't really do that have that opportunity now as much. And I think that we have a pretty good perspective on 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 it overall. It's the, our thoughts more like like you said like some three or four or five year old deer we find find it dead it's like well every age class there's less and less of those bucks you mm-hmm. know it's like man we just like i don't necessarily i'm not sad necessarily because this deer in particular died it's more that i'm just sad because my chances of seeing a five-year-old next year are now cut in half or whatever yeah. you know um in in a way you know what not necessarily yeah exactly so um anyway yeah but you found that and then and we walked a ton. And, and that's we, where the whole grunt call joke came that's from. That's exactly right. <laughs> Last year when I was stalking that buck in that like specific area, probably, what, 100 yards from there, um, <laughs> I lost my Primo's buck roar grunt call. and You were roaring too hard and yeah. took <laughs> off and yeah. caught wind. And that's what off. happened. Yeah. He ran away from the roar. Um, but, uh, yeah, like right next to this deer's skull, I found a chewed up piece of this grunt call. And I look around, there's like three pieces where the coyotes just mangled my grunt call. Just chewed it up. It's like, what are y'all doing out here? Mm, coyotes yeah. seem to be a problem. They are, we saw a lot of coyotes, man. Yeah. We probably saw almost as many as we did deer. We did. And if we didn't see deer in bunches, we would have seen. There was more right. instances of coyote sightings than there were of deer sightings. Yeah, but, like driving and stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, like I said, we busted some deer. And if we hadn't busted, I mean, like when you bust a coyote, or especially like a single, you might not even see that sucker ever. Yeah. But when a deer starts bounding away with a big flag, you're like, oh, yeah, there's mm-hmm. deer. Yeah. So, so we kind of, well, that place we thought was going to be a bust for sheds completely. And then <laughs> after we'd walked about two miles, and I had the vehicle within view, probably 200 yards, finally find a chalk. Yeah. Right there by the, by, by the truck. And it was... Uh, I don't know, decent little eight-point side, nothing crazy. But We're not sure it wasn't an old shed from the buck that you found. Yeah, yeah it kind of has, has that same, same look. same similar look, you know. Yeah. But we're not trying to connect every single dot or anything no, for but, sure, you know. You know, it's always something you think about. Right? Yeah. It's kind of that thing with sheds, like why why they're cool, right, yeah. is to think about the deer that once held them. Yeah. So, so that motif 
of building reverse history remained true all the way through yesterday, man. Yeah. With uh, that buck you missed on public, the buck um, that we decided to kind of pass, and then also with Nameless, you know, and finding that broke antler from 2016. What we I guess would would be 2016. So yeah. What we do cool. after that? Just walk around or no drive around a whole lot. We and drove make phone a lot, calls. made phone calls, and then in the afternoon we walked quite a bit. And we actually got we scored two permissions uh, in a way. One of them they're really permissions to shed hunt, which is uh, what we felt tactically would be the best way for us to eventually get permission to hunt. Uh, unfortunately, there are hunters on both both of these properties. Um, we don't necessarily feel like we're completely blocked off from these properties, mm-hmm. um, but that it may be a little bit tougher than we had hoped for. Um, but we we did score a really really awesome connection with the landowner yesterday. Yeah, that has like several thousand acres. It helps when you share last names. <laughs> yeah, you, know, yeah. You, you make jokes like ah, you know, la 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 la. I guess we're related way down the way. Uh, yeah, yeah. But no, it's cool, you and, know. And uh, it just took a lot of phone calling. It did, you know. We to, we ended up walking a part of it yesterday, a part of his property, small part, and uh, we weren't super thrilled with the deer sign. And I just don't know. We were just kind of confused a little bit yesterday because a lot of the stuff um, that we were walking was cattle country and just kind of different. You don't exactly know where to, to walk for to find your sign, but you got some ideas. And when you walk it and you just see a few prints, you're just like, man, there's one rub on this whole property, you know, or whatever. Like, well, it reminded me some of, like, what we deal with in East Texas where um, you're not looking at, like, concentrated deer areas of cover. You know, like, it's uh, a lot of kind of sparse cover and in, in different different paths for deer to take you know if uh say you were like in some kind of shelter belt like where there's a bunch of farmland or something it might be different where the deer have to go this one direction but that place over there you're talking about just a bunch of scrub brush pretty much right and there might be 15 deer moving through there every day but if they all take a different path it's not going to show up very much right i mean yeah it's difficult and and uh one thing oh one thing I, i kind of you know we were wanting to talk about was you know with the with the trail camera is just like um we noticed we just went through the last 500 pictures on that camera or several hundred um i took them in in groups of 500s there's a mallard in the ditch two millers <laughs> in uh, the city <laughs> so um uh, one thing we noticed at the end of the pictures was that finally all the bucks had shed from what we could tell you know yeah. obviously you don't know which bucks didn't come by in the last like you know week or whatever but um, we didn't see any more shed bucks for the last several days, and so or any more bucks still holding in the last several days. So we did see some on the hoof, though. Yeah, we did. We saw a couple yep. of bucks with their half rack. Yeah, but I don't think we ever saw a buck in person that that had a full rack. Right. So I mean, it was it was about wrapping up. It was, and, and I think that overall, you know, your shed rally which is like a craze for those who don't do social media it's like a social media kind of craze thing where everybody hashtags and you can you know search up people who are shed doing shed hunting and stuff like that it all happens like the first weekend in in march usually or the or the second weekend depending on you know how early the first weekend is so around like the 10th or a little bit earlier Mm -hmm. march and if we'd if we'd have gone shed hunting on shed rally weekend we, there would be there were still some bucks that were still holding yeah that you know during that time yeah 
And so, I mean, we, we had – there was a deer that we just looked at that had both sides during Shed Rally weekend. He's a pretty decent A-point. Mm-hmm. And um, so – and back home, let's see, what's the date? The 20th? Yeah, I mean, we're probably same kind of at the same point now back home. We're like – Pretty much all of them have shed, but it's only happened within the last, like, five to seven days, you yeah. know? So, it was, uh, I think it was, we decided we decided to go the weekend after shed rally because, just to make sure they're all gone, you know? And mm-hmm. I think that it was a good decision because one thing that you deal with, um, that you can deal with, especially in Texas, is that at this point usually we're starting green up and we're, we're kind of at that point now this week is supposed to be like straight sunshine pretty much all week yeah, back home in texas uh, the i think the night temperatures are the big thing too you know like yeah. we're gonna have night temps that are in the low 50s which means that that ground temperature warms up quick yeah and so you've got you're gonna have not just green up but like growing you know you're gonna have mm-hmm. growth in, in texas and in the midwest it's a little it's a little um you know, it's going to be colder, and like this morning we had frost on the ground. So Heavy I think, frost. Yeah, so I think you can. I think you can uh, hold off on that stuff a little bit. You know, obviously guys are getting stuff eaten by by some of the rodents. You know, their antlers mm-hmm. are getting eaten and stuff. So I understand going out and doing it. But if you've got one time, one trip to go out there, um, there's definitely like a, a small window. But I think that um, you know, shed rally weekend is definitely a great weekend to go. But if you wait a week or two probably okay across most yeah, places and you're not going to bump the deer off your place that might still be holding that you really want to find the antlers off right of. so and it's just kind of the trend among hunters like we all get so antsy about whatever the next season is going to be right like for instance i'm you know all over elk information right now and that's a long way away but i can't wait and uh people on social media have been posting pictures of turkeys for three weeks and Longer it's a long that, time till turkey season right and, oh. and they've been posting uh you know like oh they're dropping early this year you know i found a shed in january oh it like, was the the whole dropping early thing was such a huge fad oh yeah and it just kind of i don't know if you if you are on social man you just got to be careful because i think you can get to the point where you're just you go stir crazy for no reason kind of mm-hmm. thing you know well it's i think it's I always try to live well maybe not say it that way I'm going to say this there is an expression expression that I tend to kind of agree with that you're not the exception you are the rule right social media is a great place for exceptions to be seen and if you see too many of them because let's face it there's like I don't know how many million people on Instagram like 38 million or something like that right so I would imagine there's uh, billions yeah there's going to be a whole bunch of folks who say like, oh, look at the shed I found in January. And those are the exceptions. Where you are is probably the rule. Stick with what we know to be, you know, biologically sound where, yeah, they might drop a little bit earlier on a hard winter, whatever. But if you want to go out and find sheds, you know, around middle of March is a good time to start. Yeah. I mean, I think if, I think in, in, the, in most cases, if you're hunting around, um, you know, if you're shed hunting around local to home, then go out in January and go out in February. And that's the thing yeah. that's the thing that kind of makes people anxious, I feel like, is like you've got these guys who have decided to live a lifestyle where they live in, in Missouri or Iowa and they live on their farm or close to their farm. And so deer, yes, we had deer dropping in January mm-hmm. uh, on camera. You know what I mean? We mm-hmm. saw the we saw shed bucks walk in. And so like yeah, I would love to go find that buck's antler because frankly kickers a buck that i had an encounter with last year um and is one of the i guess late november 
uh, that series of hunts on our YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. You can see kickers in the thumbnail. He's got some couple like two or three inch kickers off his G2s. Um, that buck shed in January. I, I'm almost 100% sure. Because yeah. you remember me saying, I'm pretty sure that's kickers. It looks just like him. He mm-hmm. just doesn't have horns. And he was coming in regular before he dropped and so you know antlers taller antlers antlers sorry sorry for all the qdma types out there um but anyway i i just think that i think that um it would be great if i had lived close enough to there to go looking for his antlers in january Mm -hmm. before some porcupine had a chance to gnaw on it or whatever yeah and so i just think what i'm trying to say here is like if you're going to make a trip to shed hunt somewhere out of state you know, don't feel the pressure in January and February like you're missing out too much. Mm-hmm. But, and that's yeah. like I said, it's just something that we do as hunters, right? Like, we want to know what the rutting action is on September 28th. Well, it's probably about a zero on at most places for for whitetails, right? Yeah. It's just we get so antsy. We love it so much, you know. Right. We just want to just wish it to into fruition. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so we just put in for New Mexico. We did. Just to change the subject a little bit. Yeah. KC did a lot of research. I did a little bit because uh, I had been to a, a unit in the past, which I've told the story on the podcast at some point. But uh, this unit, I got to learn a little bit, but it was back in the day when I didn't really know anything about elk hunting at all. You know, and and neither one of us didn't do anything about backcountry type stuff, which we did. We, we were backcountry, you know, and on this hunt for a few days at a time and so knowing what i know now about backcountry camping and uh just having a little more elk knowledge along with just you being very knowledgeable about elk for a young cat that doesn't that's never lived in the mountains um i think you know we we thought that maybe this would be a good place to go back to and use what little knowledge i gained there to go back and actually kill one you know Mm -hmm. so yeah well i'm looking forward to it man and you know that's the good thing about these draw tags and having otc states to where uh, we can put in for some stuff like this and then if we don't draw it's all right we'll, we'll just go hunt colorado yeah you know and and use what what knowledge we know from from pat, the past so i'm getting distracted by all the wildlife and things going on <laughs> in town there was a guy fishing drainage ditch right there and i was just pondering that he was looking at some canada geese he was he was they're flying all over the place uh, anyways you know you, you can go and and uh, be able to hunt stuff that you know and then also if you draw a tag you're going to go hunt an awesome unit that even though you don't know it you can rely on previous knowledge of elk hunting and just the fact that it's been managed well for quantities and quality of elk yep yep i'm i'm pretty excited about elk hunting man i've got the same i got a pretty good itch going on right now for what time of year it is but i know when i get back with these warm days and these light winds, like I'm gonna be ready to do some bass fishing. And hey, it's I've already been there, but since early February we've been having just miserable weather. Yeah, and so I kind of like lost my my you know urge to go. I guess for the last few weeks, but I'm I'm getting back that way now. We got we got a shed hunt out of the way. We did a lot. Of, we got a lot of valuable post season type scouting on those places. We got to eliminate a lot of ground. I feel like which is handy and um now it's just like i'm ready to tie some flies do some bass fishing try to put together some trout fishing trips in the mountains this summer and i feel like you're forgetting something vital spring turkey not that but yes is that vital 
crappie, dude. Crappie? What are you talking about? Bass? I mean, dude. Crappie. I'm not. I'm just. Crappie. I love eating crappie more than any other fish in the world, pretty much. But like, I, I'm not a good crappie fisherman. Are you not? No. I like crappie, man. I like crappie fishing. It's fun. But that's, I, okay, so a good crappie fisherman to me can go out and catch ten pretty much any day. Yeah. And I don't so know if that's, that's me either. That's what. I, that's how I feel like. So like when I go out to catch crappie. When I go out to catch bass, if I catch three mm-hmm. on fork, you know you got a chance of every every chance, you know every chance that you or every time you throw out, you got a chance of catching a giant, right? Yeah. And so, like, if I go out and catch two or three in the afternoon, that's a great a great afternoon for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I go out and catch three crappie, I'm gonna be like, what do I do with these things? You know, like <laughs> it's not enough to even eat hardly. You know, yeah, it's just that's like. True. It just feels like a day wasted. Like if I go out to catch crappie, I want to. I want to limit on. I think them, maybe I mean? maybe so. If that's what it takes to be a good crappie fisherman, maybe I'm a good crappie timer. So like I don't I don't go a lot, but when I do go, we usually do pretty good. Yeah. Because it's it, there's like little things you can kind of key in on little ecological signs. Yeah. That tell you when the crappie are going to be up shallow, and you can have a pretty good day. So I think that's another thing. It's kind of like the shit hunting thing, right? Don't go when it's not the right time. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Even when I go and it's the right time, sometimes they're like, "Oh yeah, you should have been using the blue with the yellow tail." You know, oh, I'm like, "Oh, I don't believe that stuff, man." Well, I don't either, but I do believe that there. I do believe in the intricacies of being able to catch fish. Yeah, you know what I mean, like, because yeah. I, I know for for instance, last year we went and we were trying to catch crappie in like two foot of water, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we were having the hardest time. We knew exactly where they were. We had caught wind of the spot where they're spawning and so i'm like in there and we've got jigs and we cannot catch them and finally i just was like i I figured out that it was maybe like move the boat 10 feet closer to the shore and you're in like a foot and a half and take your jig and just go all the way to the bottom and lift it up jig it a few times if there's nothing move somewhere else and we started slaying them dude yeah but like when i was like pitching and trying to work the jig in wasn't mm-hmm. working and so i was just like i just I, when i when i learned that i was like you know what i just want to go with somebody who's a crappie junkie every time and yeah. just let them let me you know tell me how to catch them because mm-hmm. i'm really not that interested in the fight or the the sport no, of crappie i'm more just, much for their their fighting yeah, ability it's just like it's like i want to put these in grease and eat them all. There's something about okay, so don't don't get me wrong. I love jigging for copy, but uh, uh, minnows under corks is probably one of the most efficient ways to catch copy. Definitely. And but there's it's also expensive because the minnows. Yeah. Yeah, it can get that way. Yeah, I mean it does, man. Yeah. It's 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 expensive when you start thinking about it, and I'm just like, man, I just would rather jig them and not deal with like going and buying the minnows. And then bringing them and keeping them alive, and then oh well, ten of them died when you're getting to your spot, you know. Yeah, that's true. Like, but, but there's something cool about effective. that cork going. Oh yeah. Under the water, it gets you pumped, man. Yeah. And then you swing in like a big 17 incher. <laughs> oh, I love that's, it, dude. Uh, that doesn't happen often for me. 17 inchers are pretty. You're fishing big. the wrong end of the lake, dude. I think, Pro- probably. I think you are. Yeah, I'm fishing the north end. I don't know where you're fishing. Mm, I I don't know where I'm fishing either. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I agree with you. But have you ever fished a jig under a cork? I have. I yeah. have. It's pretty effective. Yeah. It, it's a uh, slip cork. Um, you talking about the slide slide style? Yeah. The spinning rod. I don't like that very much. It's not. It's not. It's. It is 
something to get used to for I, sure. I have never had as good a luck. I do, you know, 14, 16 foot jigging pole. Yeah. And, and that's how I do it. So because we do stuff. But I, this is like, this is for fishing like deeper stuff too. Yeah. See, I don't do that. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I, I time my crappie fishing to where like they're going to be three foot or less. Yeah. And that's the only times I really go, which I wish I could be one of those people who, who knows how to go out to the board arcs or the cedars or whatever in, in 12, 15 foot of water and catch a crappie. But I just, I, I think it takes a lot of time to commit to do that. And it I, does. I don't have a boat for one thing. So yeah. uh, I'm usually reliant on either A, uh, being in a kayak or, or canoe, or B, just being in my granddad's boat with him. So are so, we going to, are we going to, once we, once we find them, are we just going to literally take the week off of work and just stack? Limit every day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that I would think be that nice. would be a smart well, thing to do. It makes sense, doesn't it? Like It does. Uh, it's food, dude. Our whole goal as humans is to live eat reproduce and and die right as far as like the human side of you not as far as the spiritual side of right. you uh but so in essence if you're providing food does it matter if i'm swinging a hammer to get money to pay for food or is it better to just go out and just I obtain mean, the food that's directly? what i tell my wife and she she's okay with it most of the time <laughs> you know yeah i don't so, know about other guys i mean well if you if the, if the getting's good then go get it that's right? how i feel I, i'm definitely all about it but uh you know amazon doesn't take crappie for uh, exchange know. you know so i don't know maybe they should <laughs> they, should. they definitely should if they were smart yeah i don't know I, i'm i'm at that point though where like like there's there's usually a week or two well okay so let me it, there's usually at some point in the spring when they're up shallow there's usually like a day that you get on them you're like golly that was good mm-hmm. so why not go like the next like three or four days until they move you know what i mean yeah like i just think I don't know. Maybe that's the wrong mentality, but I just am like, I need to stack up my freezer so that I'm ready to go through the winter. Because I hadn't eaten a, a fresh fish that I caught in a minute. You mm. know what I mean? Like, and we've been talking about running some jugs and stuff too this year. So, yeah. are you gonna still still planning on doing that? Yeah, May. Yeah. Just in May. May's the time. Oh. For for those big flatheads. Oh, yeah. I got you. Mid May, that's the time to be out there and doing that. You're, so, so you're not trying to catch channels or anything like that on I can jugs. go check anytime the, the creeks are running. That's when I can go catch plenty of channels to keep. Right. I'm just know. talking about jugging, though. Nah, not really. Yeah. So, I mean. They don't, I don't taste know. as good when they're caught on a jug. <laughs> I mean, it's just the efficiency of it. Yeah. I, I can go with my granddad whenever the creeks are running and catch a limit. Um, and he'll give me all of them because he goes all the time. Mm-hmm. So that's 50, 75 fish, depending on who goes, you know. So that's enough. It's opposed to. If you go through all the effort of doing your jugs right, which I don't have a bunch of jugs, so you gotta, you know, string them up, put hooks on them, put weights on them, fine bait, uh, go out there in a boat, make sure your name and all that junk's on there, yeah, and then watch them, and then still you've only got, you know, 15 jugs in the water, right? And that was yeah. legal, 15 per person. Or oh, I don't like that. know that there's a limit on them. I think there is. Maybe. But still, it's just, I just think that the, they're. Uh, rod and line is more efficient for channel cat yeah. particularly so may for flatheads huh? may for flatheads not june because i saw a guy catch one in june now, out there uh yeah on 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 a rod and reel i believe june is a good time because i if i understand flatheads well in may they're moving up to spawn and they spawn a lot more like a bass does maybe not with a specific bed but a female stays in a specific area and a male fertilizes and then he'll move out and she stays in stays with the eggs for a little while i think 
I think that's right. So when you're catching flatheads in June, it's usually a male that moves out and they're really hungry. And they go out and go into a really big feeding pattern around June. Because I think around June there's some pretty big shad floating around too, if mm-hmm. I remember right. There are. So that, and that's kind of what they do. But uh, if you want those, you know, 70-pounders, May in the creeks, or not in the creeks, but in the creek beds. Gotcha. It's time to be, time to be doing it. That's exciting, dude. I hope I hope it's a big time, man. I I'm, I haven't caught a big flathead in a long time. Yeah. I'm kind of excited about I never it. caught one, dude. Biggest flathead I've ever caught was on a jug. It was about 15 pounds probably. Yeah. I caught an eight-pounder on a rod and reel one time. <laughs> I bow fished a 44-pounder. Back when they had that the season. one year it was legal. Why did they get rid of that? I think because it was too effective, which I I totally understand. Yeah. But uh, for that one year, it was really nice because it was a great way of, to obtain some nourishment. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. But huh. anyways, well. dude, spring's looking good, and like you were saying, we are actually going to go turkey hunting this year. Yeah. Um, with a, on a permission property that's supposed to be kind of a slam dunk because to be honest guys we like to keep public and all that stuff but uh sometimes keeping it public means walk your booty off and not see anything yeah so um we're gonna go for some efficiency on turkeys yeah and i have a similar mentality like i love i love turkey hunting don't get me wrong and i've shot some but i have a similar mentality about them where like I don't i'm not too serious about them yeah and so and i like to eat turkey you know yeah and so hey for real i'll jump you to turkey i don't even care oh i'm the same way you know i mean don't let anybody from the nwtf listen i know to this dude thing, but they'll be like well you gotta call them into the left if you call them to the right you gotta let them go you know but the wing bone from a turkey that you found dead first and then, <laughs> yeah I, I mean it's it's a good I, I i totally respect the guys that take it seriously i'm just not really uh quite as serious about it as some and I guess it's just a product of where we were raised. Yeah. I mean, when we didn't have turkeys and didn't weren't able to build that culture, then yeah. of course we don't have the same appreciation for it. It's just like how I don't have a great appreciation for like steamed clams, right? Because I'm not from the Northeast or right. where I really do that. But, yeah. Or boiled peanuts or whatever, you know. But man, I, I really like spoke salad, you know. And, and it's just kind of just the way way it goes when you're just raised in different places. Right. Yeah. So what's next on, on the whitetail side of things for Man, us? Man, that's mean, something I was thinking about driving. Um, yeah. I don't really know what's next on whitetail. Uh, well, I do know that we still actually have some cameras out on Texas Public. Oh, yeah, we do we need to go get, get those. Uh, and then besides that, man, I'm, you and I were talking before we got on the air. Uh, I think we need to bear down and really work on some permission stuff out of state this summer. Yeah. I also want to work on some permission stuff in state. Because, yeah. you yeah, know, you... You've got uh, a new property, and you're going to be having a lot of focus on that. But I'm still looking for somewhere that I can get into, like a legal buck in Texas, um, close to home, you know. Yeah. And I, I've got, I was thinking about that earlier. I kind of, I've got to crack down on that. And mm-hmm. with the Iowa tag, you know, I'd like to have some permission there, but it's kind of like knock on wood. Yeah, yeah, I got to get it first. But uh, you know getting permission up there is probably like third tier for me yeah. as far as getting permissions go in and out of state so it's kind of what we're looking at uh i don't know that we're going to go quite as hard uh in the summertime on public this year we say we? that now <laughs> but it's that same thing like we talked about earlier in the podcast like you just get this itch and you want to make it happen so bad yeah but if we can just show some show some maturity and like use those efforts towards something that is going to help us actually in the fall more 
like say it's working more as opposed to like going out and sweating your tail off just walking around aimlessly getting, getting ticked up and ticked off um <laughs> Maybe that's what we need to do, right? We need yeah. to figure out what is the most efficient and effective ways. Maybe it's traveling out of state as opposed to taking – you talked about this – as opposed to taking five one-day trips in-state to different public parcels, maybe we take one two-day trip out of state and really bear down on something that's going to make a big difference for us. Right. right? And I feel like that – like logically that makes sense, but I feel like that um – that is not going to be the trade-off that we work out. Like, yeah. we're going to get into that work grind in summer, and you're just going to be like, eh, I just can't make it. You can't get out of state, you know? Yeah. Even if we didn't go five less times than we would have normally. Because mm-hmm. it's just going to be one of those things that's, like, hard to quantify what you're giving and taking there. Um, so, I don't know. It's It does work in theory, but I'm not sure that we'll – I don't know. I just don't know. I just know that, like, a lot of the summertime scouting we've done – locally has not done a whole lot for us it feels like no nope. we kind of talked about that at the end of the year last year and yeah because you know just to be honest with everyone here you and i and anybody else in the truck um that's a joke there's nobody else in the truck um <laughs> but the first place that we ever really scouted together on texas public land is still the best place yeah right like yeah we found some stuff but it hasn't paid off a ton, especially summertime stuff, well, you know? I mean, dude, and there's been – we did so much work last summer in finding some deer mm-hmm. and putting, getting them on camera and velvet and, you know, and thinking, oh, man, we got several spots this year now. Like, we're good to go. We know we know we got several spots that we know mature deer are using and kind of how they're using it. And, dude, we didn't – you know, we as soon as late you know late October comes and we start going into some of these spots, there's people everywhere, and it, and all of a sudden like we've been hunting these spots for two or three years that haven't had anybody in them, or or even like we hung a camera there early last summer and we started finding velvet, good velvet bucks, and there was no human sign in there at all, um, even last fall when we looked or whatever, and it just there will be there would be a million people there this year, and I don't know. It almost felt like there was just more pressure than there has been out there any of the years. And I yeah. don't know if that's just because it happened to be in our spots that we've been finding or if it actually is a little bit more pressure just because of how, how, you know, popular public land hunting and talking about it has yeah. gotten, you know. So. Well, here's the deal. If, it, if public land hunting continues to, be, to gain popularity in our state and other states, uh, states need to look at where their um, income is coming from for license sales and maybe expanding those opportunities whether that's through walk-in access or you know adding to wmas or or converting things from state parks to wmas or what have you you know whatever we've got a ton of core land that's not being used right now for hunting i mean why but that's federal land so that's a different department that's a different people to talk to right right that doesn't mean that we shouldn't talk to them but they let us on some of it, and yeah. then some of it they don't. I don't understand why. No, you know? I don't know. It's just, yeah, I'm with you though. Like, if we're gonna, if there's a an emphasis there, and there are a lot of people using it. Let's expand it somehow. You know. Yeah. So. I mean, we just we just got a fully funded farm bill, right? A fully funded yeah. uh, LWCF, which mm-hmm. is the same thing as a sport. Uh, what's it? Wild game and sport fish. Uh, what do they always say on the on the PBS show on the uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife? Anyways, that's the Pittman-Robertson-Dingle-Johnson stuff. That's yeah. that funds, and it gets confusing. I had to look this up the other day. The Wildlife and Sport Fish 
Restoration Fund. That's what it is. That's Dingle Johnson and, and, and Pittman Robertson, okay? Just in case you were confused on, on that, because I was. I didn't know they were the same thing, but I've been seeing that my whole life because of the Take Sparks Wildlife show. Anyways, that's kind of a tangent, sorry. <laughs> <It's all right. laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, we need to look at expanding that stuff and, and um, within reason and, and where it makes sense, right? Like, we don't need more 400-acre pastures to dove hunt for two weeks out of the year. Right. right. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, maybe we do need more of those, but that's not all we need because that, sh- that doesn't satisfy the needs of all hunters. No. it It's... It's weird to me. We've talked about it before, maybe not on the podcast, but the, the, there's a huge dove hunting culture here in Texas. Yeah. And but after opening weekend, there's hardly anybody that hunts dove. Mm-hmm. And so, like, are these leases that are small game and dove only? Are they are they even worth the money that is being paid towards that lease from the department? You know, yeah. we don't. I mean, I don't know. I'd like to. I'd like to see how they justify that. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, but I do know that like. I mean, we've met plenty of guys out on Texas public land hunting deer that are like, yeah, I've been hunting here all all season. Every weekend I hunt both days and, you know, I haven't killed a deer here. But they still are pretty, you know, the the culture around deer hunting is very serious and, and they're, they're serious about it. And therefore, they're going to spend a lot of time and effort out there. And hopefully they don't give up if they don't keep if they keep not killing deer. You know yeah. what I mean? So I, I'm with you on that. But anyway, um we're excited about spring. We are excited about some of the sheds that we found. Mm-hmm. We'll put together a video of the shed hunting trip. Uh, it's probably just going to be real random because we didn't we didn't focus on like telling a story or anything. But there are some pretty cool, uh, like you saw, and if you listen to this podcast, um, there's some pretty cool like reverse history that we have with some of these deer, and we can kind of explain that, show that with some other clips, and hopefully. You guys will see what we're talking about a little better uh, if you if you tune into that kind so of there, thing. There will be some definitely some cool stuff, man. Those deadheads are neat. Yeah, they are. They're they're, they're pretty sizable, man. Yeah. So those were good finds. Um, also, don't forget there is a contest going on right now, and we should probably like find a date to wrap this thing up on. And I don't think it'll be too long from now. Maybe on the next podcast or two. But uh, on fire is a film that we released. And it's not um, going to be like the shed hunt at all. If you watch it, it's going to be an actual story that uh, has some some uh, meaning to it. Um, it's a really awesome film that, and I say that just because of the story that didn't have anything to do with me at all. Um, it's a great story. Go watch the film. It's a film on our channel called On Fire. It's about duck hunting and a little bit more. And um, leave a comment. Tell us what you like. And you're in the running for an Onyx premium membership for a whole year. Woo! It's a good so, prize. Yeah. All you got to do is go to, go to YouTube and comment on the, on the video. Tell us what you liked. And I think we talked about maybe uh, sharing the post on Facebook as uh, maybe, like, mm, you might have a chance to... Bonus uh, points squared. Get a, exactly. Yes, yes. Um, so, anyway, that's about all. I hope you guys are getting out in it and uh, warming up a little bit because... Uh, it's been a cold one this this winter, man. We've we've uh, we're definitely looking forward to some green grass and some sunny skies. So, anyway, KC, is there anything else, man? No, nah, man. I better get off of here. This uh, state troopers give me the stank eye for is having it? a headset on and driving. So, <laughs> all right. Well, God bless you guys, and remember, this is your element. Living it.
Are you looking for relentless performance for your firearms? If so, Riptide Armory is the ultimate destination for superior gun cleaning and protection. Riptide Armory offers American-made innovative products out of Arvada, Colorado. Whether it's the delicate finish of a collectible or the rugged exterior of a tactical weapon, you can clean without risk of damage. Visit RiptideArmory.com and discover the difference true quality can make for your firearms. Riptide Armory, a veteran-founded business. I've been telling you guys about Land.com to help you find a place to call your own and do all the hunting and fishing and hanging with the family that you want. While owning your own piece of land is something that can generate memories, I can speak to this personally because my family, we own a couple small, beautiful little backcountry parcels. It can also generate income in both the near and long term, like starting a rental business slash family compound that can benefit both this and future generations. Check out the hundreds of thousands of rural listings from across America. Enough dreaming about it. Land.com is the place to find and invest in your open space. 